Hey, I'm Christopher Schiefling, and this is Auscultation, a podcast in search of a humanities-based practice of healthcare. Thanks so much for joining. Today, we're listening to Spring Fever by Raymond Dandridge, a black poet and writer in the early 20th century who developed paralysis from polio in his late 20s. This poem is an example of black dialect poetry that was popular in the late 1800s and early 1900s. In an effort to convey vernacular speech, Dandridge uses unconventional spelling such as D-E instead of T-H-E and F-E-V-A-H instead of F-E-V-E-R. As will be discussed, there are mixed opinions about dialect poetry, and I believe that in this case, Dandridge uses dialect to highlight the wisdom, musicality, and resilience of his community. Spring Fever by Raymond Dandridge There's a lazy, sort of hazy feeling grips me through and through, and I feels like doing less than anything Though the saw is sharp and greasy, though the task at hand is easy, and the day am fair and breezy, there's a thief that steals ambition in the wind. Can't deny it, can't defy it, cause it just won't be denied. It's a most persistent, stubborn sort of thing. Antitox don't neutralize it, doctors fail to analyze it, so I yields, though I despise it. To that restless, wretched fever ever spring. Some thoughts on spring fever. Spring fever is a contronym or Janus word that encompasses opposing symptoms. It can be both an excess of energy and libido, but also malaise and irritability. The inherent contradiction is likely the result of several different biological phenomenon occurring during the spring that fell under the same label given their common timing. These days, spring fever is more likely to refer to increased energy levels thought to be due to increasing sunlight that raises serotonin and reverses the depressive effects of seasonal affective disorder of winter. This poem, on the other hand, described as the hypoactive variant of spring fever. In the 1800s, a syndrome of fatigue, bleeding gums, and poor wound healing was labeled as spring fever. This was actually scurvy that presented at this time as a result of cumulative depletion of vitamin C during the winter and resolved in the summer with improved nutrition from the spring harvest. Also on the differential of spring malaise is seasonal allergies, or hay fever, which in more severe forms may be present with fatigue in addition to congestion and rhinorrhea. Seasonal allergies became increasingly common during the Industrial Revolution and urbanization of the 1800s. The line, quote, There's a thief that steals ambition in the wind, can be read as pointing to the pollen in the air that triggers hay fever as the etiology of the narrator's ailment. 
According to this view, the narrator's intuition reaches beyond the doctor's analysis. Some thoughts on dialect poetry. The use of colloquial, non-conventional English in this poem is characteristic of dialect poetry. This form was popular in the U.S. during the late 19th century and early 20th century. Paul Lawrence Dunbar became one of the first influential black poets in North America through the fame of his dialectic poems. Black dialect poetry has received conflicting reception over the years. Many critics, particularly those during the Harlem Renaissance, regret that the form supports negative stereotypes and limits the thematic scope to humorous and colloquial events. Other critics argue that the authors used its popular appeal to both make a living as writers and to bring social criticism to white audiences. Spring fever can be viewed through both of these lenses. To an unfavorable eye, the narrator can be written off as lazy and simple-minded. However, a more generous interpretation highlights that the narrator sees past the false promises of antitox, which is capitalized, suggesting it is one of the many snake oils of the day that were likely to contain write-out toxins rather than any antitoxins. In addition to a presumed trial of antitox, the narrator has gone to some length to find relief, consulting doctors, plural, before reluctantly resigning to the symptoms. Similarly, yields is an important word choice. It is not giving up or surrender, but rather implies a temporary and strategic restraint. Finally, while yielding, the narrator remains active through the composition of the poem, which, with its precise meter and inventive rhyme scheme, is a fairly complex task. This can be seen as both as a therapeutic endeavor and as an act of resistance. To a certain extent, this poem is an example of the use of RAIN, a psychoanalytic technique for dealing with negative emotions. R stands for recognize what is happening, A for accepting the experience as it is, I for investigate with care, and N for nurturing. The title is a recognition of the feeling, the entire poem investigates the rather vague feeling, and the last lines bring acceptance. In spite of the frustration brought on by spring fever, the lyricism of the poem is quite joyful which is a, a form of comfort. By undermining the distress of the content of the poem, the lyricism is a subtle form of resistance, even when the narrator can't defy it, can't deny it. In summary, while a superficial reading of this poem may write off the narrator based on the use of black dialect, Dandridge infuses the poetic voice with wisdom and resilience. This episode is brought to you by the polio vaccine. This day and age, we take a lot of things for granted. One of those things is the polio vaccine. Aren't you glad most people around the world don't have to worry 
about contracting paralytic polio, which can have a mortality rate up to 75%. With so many new illnesses cropping up, wouldn't it be nice to eliminate one for a change? We're so close, tantalizingly close. All it takes is a simple poke to be a life and limb saver. Some thoughts on disability. The narrator's struggle with sprint fever takes on more significance in the context of the author's life. Dandridge started writing poetry at the age of 29 after contracting polio and losing the use of his legs and right arm. In the introduction to his second book of poetry, Winston Morrow describes his condition as, quote, shut in within four walls by a strange decree of nature for many long years, racked at times by the most excruciating pains, denied free intercourse among his fellow men, and handicapped in a thousand other ways. Dandridge was right-handed, so learned to write his poems left-handed. Similarly, he previously worked as a house painter and decorator, but continued to work by having a telephone installed next to his bed in order to make sales calls for a coal company. While telephones were becoming increasingly common, they were far from universal at this time. In light of this illness, much of the poem, from the easy task that can't be done, to the failure of antitox, to a disease that can't be defied, denied, or analyzed by doctors, can apply to Dandridge's paralysis. At the time, scientists knew polio was an infection affecting the nervous system, but there were no tests to detect it, and the route of spread was unknown, and it would take another 40 years before the vaccine was developed. Tetanus antitoxin was given with the rationale that both tetanus and polio affect the nerves, though it did little good for polio. The use of dialect also takes on a new light, considering Dandridge's illness. In a sense, the misspelling of traditional English mirrors his pathology, in that they are both deviations from commonly valued forms. Roughly half of Dandridge's poetry is traditional English, and half in dialect, and he often alternates these forms one after the other. This quite literally puts dialect on the same page as conventional English. This juxtaposition makes me think about Dandridge's everyday life and how it would vary between activities, such as his sales calls and writing, where his interlocutor would have no sense of his condition, to activities of daily living that were greatly impacted by his paralysis. His poetry suggests that he came to accept his limitations and find meaning in them. For example, in a poem about rain, he argues, quote, The clouds are shedding tears of joy, and I pity every wretch I find who, frowning in disdain, is deaf, dumb, and also blind to beauty in the rain. Similarly, another dialect poem is an ode in praise of, quote, the inner part. In a metaphorical sense, Dandridge's integration of dialect and traditional English is a reflection of his life with chronic illness. It is also a manifestation 
of his ability to find wisdom, beauty, and resilience in forms that are traditionally considered broken. Spring Fever by Raymond Dandridge There's a lazy, sort of hazy feeling grips me through and through, and I feels like doing less than anything, though the saw is sharp and greasy, though the task at hand is easy, and the day am fair and breezy, there's a thief that steals ambition in the wind. Can't deny it, can't defy it, cause it just won't be denied. It's a most persistent, stubborn sort of thing. Antitox don't neutralize it. Doctors fail to analyze it. So I yields, though I despise it, to that restless, wretched fever ever spring. Spring Fever by Raymond Dandridge was published in 1920 and is now part of public domain. You can find show notes for this episode at anauscultation.wordpress.com and you can send comments, suggestions, and questions to the Twitter handle at anauscultation or to the email anauscultation at gmail.com. Auscultation is produced and recorded on the ancestral home of the Ute, Cheyenne, and Arapaho peoples. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, follow, or share to help others find out about us too. Until next month, be kind and live the questions.